1: Love's Talk Radio.
2: Time the seasons pass when 22 men graced the record field yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron grits. Welcome to Gridiron Grapes, football history and memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Slick Enterprise. We're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swift, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140 plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web app, Gridiron Greats Magazine. It is at this time I'd like to introduce My co-host He is a senior Contributing writer to Gridiron Ricks Magazine (laughs) A football Memorabilia historian specializing in Three World War II items In particular, Red Grange And also Seattle Seahawk items In particular, Steve Largent. He hails from Portland, Oregon Mr. Joe Squires Joe
3: Welcome to the show this evening. Uh, Captain, thank you for a warm introduction as always, sir. Happy to be here.
2: I'm glad you're here. And unfortunately, I'm going to start off the show on a, on a somber note. I'd like to inform our listeners and readers of the passing of Serge Mahaley. Serge was on our show on April 26, 2018. He was a good friend of mine here locally in Wallingford. He played uh, for three championship Yale football teams uh, in the yep. late 70s and early 80s. Uh, he was a uh, first, or I'm sorry, the second Yale player ever to be a unanimous pick for a the All-Pro team at Yale, uh, Ivy League team at Yale. Uh, he was a star at Trumbull High School and Trumbull High School here in Connecticut. won the Class L Division back in 1977, He was, to me, he was a renaissance man. He was involved in many different areas, many different things. We had a lot of very long conversations. He was 59 years young. He lost his battle to his liver problems. Uh, he was waiting for a transplant and never got one. And uh, sadly, he passed on the 25th. So I'd like to extend my deepest condolences to the family. And Serge, if you're listening, Not Steve. All right, picking it up from there, uh, Joe and I are going to talk about the latest BSC auction and what we saw, what we picked up, what we can gather from prices realized, so on and so forth. And Joe, I'm going to hand off to you immediately on this.
3: Uh, Friends of the program, Gridiron Greats, uh, John Spano, Andy Becker. Owners of BST. Their auction ended last week with uh, much fanfare. Uh, uh, there's advantages to being on the West Coast, and sometimes there's disadvantages. Uh, the advantages, obviously, most auctions close around midnight, which is about nine Correct. o'clock, you know, Western time. Uh, the disadvantage is if you go out to dinner with some friends and you have to hustle home at eight thirty, and, and then jump <laughs> on the computer and you know catch them under bids. And then the problem is if your wife wants you to put your daughter to bed and you run upstairs, put your daughter back down, and you come down and the auction is closed and you missed out on your favorite item in the auction, a 77 Tops uncut sheet with Steve Largent on it, that's the disadvantage of being on the West Coast. (laughs) But these things happen. A couple things of note uh, that ended that I was really keeping an eye on. Uh, When when, uh, John, uh, you know, one of the owners of BST was on, I asked him what his favorite item in the auction was, and he said there's a, you know, a, a photo of Pop Warner and Cornell football from 1892 that he thought was so unique and so one of a kind. He's like, that's probably one of the favorite things I've ever seen. Uh, so I was really keep I bid on that and was you know mixing it up a little bit. Ended up selling for 2509. That price includes the, you know the vig, uh, but I thought that was a really good price for. Uh, you know, for a what a hundred and thirty year old photo of a icon like Pop Warner. Good looking good looking photo.
2: Amazing price on that. That was great great to see.
3: What else yeah, right next door do? on it. What right next door to it, uh one of the top uh ten items in the auction. Uh this one didn't get a bid, which surprised me. Uh it was uh one of the oldest known Michigan programs. It was from eighteen eighty one Yale versus Michigan. I sure. had uh, a starting price of 10000 and it didn't get a bid, uh, which surprised me. I mean, but it kind of goes to show you, I mean, programs aren't as, you know, widely collected as, say, you know, cards or other, you know, uh, you know photos, et cetera. I mean, you know, cards are mainstream, photos, you know, is one of those little facets of it, tickets, another facet, programs, another facet, autographs, jerseys, helmets, football. You can think of about 20 different facets to collection, uh, you know, to collecting football. And when it gets into programs, if you're a Yale fan like you are or a Michigan fan, (laughs) uh, this program is is meaningful to you, especially if you're a Michigan fan. If you're not, then $10,000 is a lot of money to pay for a program. Uh, So, 1881. I
2: still maintain, maintain, though, that programs – and media guides are so way undervalued and way overlooked in the hobby. Absolutely. And especially any programs that are found pre-World War II. I still maintain there there's not a lot of them there, and I really believe the prices yep. on them are, are way under way undervalued, severely undervalued yeah. right now.
3: Yeah, I've uh, I've mentioned this before. I've quoted Carl Lambella before, but he mentioned in an article he wrote a long time ago. He's like think of the paper drives, you know, World War II, you know, just the amount of paper that got, you know, sucked up and, you know, you know, things like that. You know, and I've always talked about house fires. I do, I do a lot of work for insurance companies. I mean, I think of the house fires and the floods and the, you know, you know, the moms throwing people's collections out. I mean, you know, for a, you know, for a program of that age, it's, it's had to survive a lot of things. I mean, just, being stored improperly. If you just put that upstairs, you know, in a in a chest and leave it, it'll it, it's basically fragile. It'll it'll chip apart. So I mean, there's a lot of things that could have killed this program in the last you know, hundred and thirty eight years. But it was still right. uh, a very fascinating program. Uh, right next to that, I think lot number fifteen was an eighteen eighty eight N N one sixty two Goodwin Beecher. Yeah, the first football yep. card. Uh, graded a PSA one sold for sixteen hundred and seventy three dollars. I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, it was a really really sharp looking uh, beacher. but still just goes to show you the popularity of that card even you know even on being on the fringe of football. Like we we've talked about that card before. I personally don't own one. I don't ever really see myself owning one just because I don't. Yes, it's football. Yes, it's mentioned as football on the back of it but it's just not one of those things that really is a must-have. Uh, you know, well, you, put the, you put the Mayo set next to it, the, the Mayo set next to it. Mayo set, to me, is obviously football, and, uh, you know, therefore right. something I wanted.
2: And we, talk, we talked about this to so the guy who's hoarded whatever they are, 18 of them, and he's always advertising them um, yeah. at ridiculous prices that he wants somebody to buy 18 beachers all at once. And, again, I don't, I, yeah. obviously the guy is eccentric or the gal's is eccentric. And, you know, what's the purpose of what you're doing is beyond me other than to say I own all these beachers. Well, that's great. I own a lot of football memorabilia, and you own a lot of football memorabilia. And, you know, we don't go around and do something like that. So, I mean, it is, there's no purpose right. to it whatsoever. So what that does is basically boost up any single beacher sales anywhere, yeah. anytime you see them in see an auction. And, you know, I I quite yeah. frankly thought that was that, that was going to run between – uh fifteen hundred and two thousand. I was pretty much spot on uh, with it. Uh given the condition. Because it, oh. it it is it is worth it as far as I'm concerned. I mean
3: it's a the Yeah. I'm the guy used to own a thousand Steve Larger rookie cards, so I'm certainly not gonna cast stones at the guy who's trying to corner the <laughs> beach market. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I I always, know, I, you know, I pick up any large <laughs> I see here locally, because 'cause they're not found. <laughs> And I tell everybody. What I, I told in you, Oregon, but... in Oregon <laughs> has them all? What's the exactly. most wanted nineteen seventy seven uh, tops football card in Connecticut? Is Steve Largent Rookie. Steve Largent. That's all and I can the say. The most Sorry, popularly
3: go ahead. graded the most popularly graded <laughs> card is and it's it's almost comical. Yeah, I I single handedly ruined the pop charts in the seventy seven tops. Correct. Uh thirty five Chickle, SGC ninety six Clark Hinkle. One of your boys, one of your Packer boys, $4,147, 4147 Very strong price for an SGC 96. Uh, that's right. one of those bubble cards. 96 is really hard to get crossed over into an 8, 8.5. Uh, so that just showed. I mean, but that was a beautiful example of the Hinkle. 58 tops, Jim Brown, PSA 7. That was absolutely one of the nicest, centered, beautiful corners, you know, PSA 7. It was an old flip, too. Uh, so and that went for 2270. There's definitely someone trying to bump it a little bit because a PSA8 typically goes for three to 3500. So right, that's right, upper right. end right. of the PSA7s. And then as I mentioned, 77 tops uncut full sheet, including the most sought after card in 1977 tops, the Steve Largent rookie card, 537 dollars. That's the one I came back down from putting my daughter to bed. And the auction had ended, and uh, I had a few choice words for my friends John and Andy well, ending, the, ending the, uh, the auction without sending their good friend Joe a text message.
2: Well, <laughs> I'm well, kidding. I'm kidding. I was, I was shocked when I heard yeah. you didn't win that sheet. I, I, I wouldn't even go near it. I, I just clicked, that, clicked on it once. I said, well, that's Joe Squires. I don't know who, <laughs> where it's going. So <clears throat>
3: Well, would that would have made, anyway. made my third or fourth. I think I have two partial sheets. Was 66 cards, and then one full sheet with you know larger. Wow. So it, it you know appealing wow. but still a, a beautiful sheet to have you know for 1977. Yeah. yeah, somebody somebody must have picked it up that didn't know me uh, because you know they they must have been like well you know, most people you most normal.
2: I, I'm surprised you haven't gotten emails anonymously from somebody that says I have a Sunday Seven Top Sun Cut sheet for a thousand dollars with the larger rookie on it. Do you want it? <laughs> they're they're going to flip it. Yeah, make some money.
3: Yeah, that's not heritage. You know, they don't they don't reach back out. So, <laughs> but now nah, a great auction. Some uh, some good other sports in there that shall not be mentioned. Uh, just a great auction. Congratulations, you know, John and Andy. on Another fantastic auction. Uh, I, I think Mike Moran mentioned he had quite a few items in there too. just so right. Really good right. to see. Really cool, very thinly collected items hitting the. Uh, you know, hitting the, the auction house, you know, circuit. It's just, a yeah.
2: Well, like I said to several people about this auction, it's a historical auction for the simple reason. You have items from Mike Moran's collection. You have items from Mike Budsdale's yep. collection. The catalog itself is historical just, just to hold the catalog yeah. and see these, like you're saying, very, very thinly traded, very thinly uh, for sale items come up and are available to be bought. Uh, truly, you know, the the, the the provenance on these uh these items is just incredible. So to me it was just it was just an amazing auction all around and, and very strong prices. There was a couple um I, I just real quick I wanna look at lot three oh nine was a nineteen sixty two post complete unfolded box with six football cards with a Sonny Jorgensen in it that went for fourteen hundred and thirty four dollars. Yep. That that was, that <laughs> was a great price. And it was finally finally getting you know some, some respect. Uh, is the 62 Post Serial um, set with its basically full size and small size box being collected? And those are amazing items that have survived that long. That's the way I look at it. And yep. again, very strong prices. And the lot right next to it, the 62 Post Serial Complete Unfolded Box with six football cards, two of the cards were short prints. Went for thirteen hundred and fourteen dollars and fifty cents. So that that was that was uh, two great prices on those two items. I, I was very impressed to see those prices being traded. And again, I will say, this auction for me uh, tells me there's a lot of strength in the hobby. There's a lot of interest in the hobby. Hopefully, there were some new bidders that came into the hobby and, and picked up some items yep. for their collection or beginning collection. And it really bodes well for our, our end of the hobby. I think it's a, it's a great a great auction to see. And, again, I'll reiterate, those people who are thinking about entering and collecting programs, media guides, and, and older yearbooks or older publications, to me, now is the opportunity. Now is the time to pick up stuff because I honestly feel in five years from now, you're not going to see the prices you see today. I really don't. I think once the hobby matures again, uh, a lot of collectors are done collecting their cards, uh, their, their player cards, their player photos. They're going to branch out into the programs. They'll branch out to the media guides. You know, there's not a lot of them out there. And contrary to what everybody believes, yep. it, you know, it's not like a card. You know, they, Some programs, I'm sure, from the 1930s and the 1940s, there's probably a dozen or less that are in existence today. And where are they? We don't know. So it's something to consider, something to think about. And uh, I, I, I urge anybody who's on the fence about it right now. Right now it represents 2019, 2020 represents a buying opportunity that I don't think you're going to see in a long time. That's my opinion.
3: Oh, no, without a doubt.
2: So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens in in the long run on that. But again, uh, congr- yeah. congratulations, John and Andy, on that auction.
3: Also. very, yeah, very strong. And auction. I like the auction. What do you yeah, actually, and it uh, is good to see more and more of this trickle in. Oops, sorry, Bob. What did you
2: actually pick up in that auction? I know you got a few un- uncut sheets.
3: Yeah, I picked up the 61 FLIR uncut sheet. Uh, oh, that's there great. was one, yeah. one other uncut sheet. I God dang. Uh, well, I noticed Andy, uh, it, it got mailed to me the other day, and I just dropped my check in the mail a couple days ago. That's what I love about those guys, too. Uh, and I picked up the oh, uh, there's a there's a uh, Red Grange chocolate uh, coupe, uh oh, that's right. advertisement that went out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're gonna laugh at this, but that was a blank you know advertisement that went out, and then local companies would stamp or ink their locality on it. And uh, I've got about five of those now from different areas, with one of them being in Washington, in Aberdeen, Washington, uh, that I I just. It's just one of those little esoteric things, just this one chocolate flyer that went out, and I've just got it from different parts of the country. Just, you know, just you know, I could consider that for another, oh, the silly things we collect article, but oh well. <laughs>
2: right. Right. Well, it's a nice piece. I mean, that, that presents well. Uh, one other thing yeah. uh, to look at, uh, there was a 65 that's rookie PSA 6, one for $2,500, yeah. 9 dollars 50 and then the remainder yep. of the set, all PSA graded, 175, to 176 of the tall boys went for $4,740. So that's pretty strong prices for those. And for a name of turkey in six, uh, that's a very, very strong price for it also. So it was, it was interesting to see. All right, we're, uh, we've got to move along here. But, again, great auction. We could talk about it for a couple hours. Great stuff. And I honestly say uh, – you know, again, study that catalog if you received it in the mail because that is a historical piece to look at and it's going to show you a lot of different things that, that have not been seen for a long time, believe me. All right, it's at this time. I'd like to welcome our special guest. He is a lifelong New Englander, the father of two, two teenager boys who are sports nuts like he is. He's been collecting sports cards since 1987 and has a great love for the hobby. i like to introduce... Mr. Dan Bassett. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi, fellas. How are you? How are you? Afternoon, Dan. Dan, I want to start off by asking you how'd you start, get started collecting football cards, and in particular, New England, Boston, New England Patriot cards, and John Hanna cards?
4: Uh, well, I've, uh, I've been collecting since the uh, late 80s, like 1988, I think. Um... I know my first football card. Um, I traded for my cousin's uh, 1987 Tops Herschel Walker. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs>
1: that
4: was true. one that I I had to have, and it took it took months of, of failed attempts before I was able to pry that one from his grasp. So and, I love it. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And um, after that, um, my my next football cards are actually the Fleer Team Action. Uh, cards. I hmm. remember picking up some packs at uh, those gas stations and I know they don't get a lot of love in the hobby but uh, I thought they were really cool when I was when I was what, starting. What
3: now. year were those? There's uh, the 76 FLIR team action. Are you talking about the 81s?
4: Well, they they were published um, most years in the 80s as far as I know. Um, I I believe the ones I picked up were in 88 or 89. Uh, oh, okay. I, I have some Hanna FLIR team actions from quite a few years so um, I think it's again with them not being widely collected. I think people don't realize exactly how many uh, how many years those were printed. But uh, it was around '88 or '89 that I was picking those up. Uh, in fact, I I can't tell you the players that were pictured, Joe, but I can tell you that in my first pack I hit a Seahawks card. I don't know why I remember that, but I do.
3: <laughs> I think I think from that year I I, I want to say was it a was it a Dave Craig? I've I've seen him. I that's get a little late in my collecting uh, realm, you know. Was eighty-eight, eighty-nine? 89. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I think I've seen a few of them. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
4: It might have been Dave Craig. It might have been uh, Kurt Warner, not that Kurt Warner, the uh, Kurt Warner, the running yeah, back the other, um, from all, Penn State. Yeah. yeah. All, um, and um, I could be wrong about the year too, because I'm, I'm, I snuck a peek in a Beckett book, and they only have them printed as well, late as '88. So. Must
2: have
1: been eighty-seven or eighty-eight, not eighty-nine.
2: So. All right. So so, yeah. so that's all Nineteen eighty-nine was the explosion year for football cards. So it yeah. took everybody by su- everybody by surprise to a large degree. You had the the way overproduction of prosa and then you had the beauty of Score, and then tops had probably one of the worst sets they ever came out with in nineteen eighty-nine. which just just bland, just a, just a lousy set, in my opinion. But, again, traditionalists kept with the tops, and they kind of shunned pro set and score, and then they realized when everybody else and their uncle were buying score and pro set, they just jumped in on, on jumped in and started collecting it. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. Yeah, you were in yeah. a cusp year, 1987, which, to me, 87 top set is still a beautiful set. The 88 top uh, set is also very nice. So, um, yeah. Uh, in addition to that, because you had the Bo Jackson rookie in there, which still drives that set. So it's, right. it's an interesting time period to start collecting. I, I find that I find that very interesting.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. You know, at the time, I was buying the new stuff, and then I find uh, that the older I get, uh, so does the stuff that I collect. You know, I've I've moved backwards uh, from there. I, I have very little interest in in modern now, although I do have some some Patriots cards here and there, but, um, uh, you know, over the years it's sort of been the mantra, the older, the better. Um, not quite, not quite like Joe. I, I don't dabble too much in pre-war, <laughs> but, um, but you know, the, the fifties, sixties, um, and, and then into the seventies is, is sort of my wheelhouse. Uh, even though I didn't start yeah. collecting till a ways after that. Dan,
3: um, so, so, I got Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Did, no, didn't mean interrupt. Go for
4: it. Well, I was just going to say, I think you asked uh, specifically about the Patriots thing. Um, you know, I I don't know I don't know when that became an emphasis, um, but it has been for a long time. Um, you know, I at some point in the early 2000s I started collecting uh, Gino Capoletti cards. Uh, a few years after that, I started collecting Andre Tippett cards. Um, you know, uh, they both hold a special place with me. Tippett was my favorite player in, in those 1980s that we were discussing. Uh, some yeah. pretty yeah. late eighties or some pretty dismal Patriots teams, but Tippett was a monster. And, uh, he's still my favorite player of all time. Um, you know, Capoletti was, um, fantastic in his own right. And again, as I started to get a, a taste for 1960s cards, uh, he was just a, a player I gravitated to because he was a, you know, Patriot and an AFL MVP and everything.
1: Um,
4: so I actually collected those guys before I collected John Hanna. Um, but, um, you know, after a while, you, you know this, Joe, as a player collector, after a while, um, you start to run out of new things to collect. Not that I'm not still picking up new Capiletti and Tempett items in yep. there, but it's, it's slowed a lot. Um, so I was looking for somebody new to collect. I think this was around – 2014 i said i need a new project i'm not, I'm not going to stop those projects but i need something to scratch the itch and um so i started thinking well Tippett's a career patriot uh you know capoletti's a career patriot what other great career patriots have there been and it t- only takes you about two seconds at that point to come up with the name john yeah. hannah and, without uh, a doubt that was that yeah. was
2: definitely a nice a nice part about collecting the Patriots because in the sixties and the seventies and and to a certain degree into the eighties also they had a lot of guys that just played for them and no other team so right. you, you had a you had a true nice player collection you you could add a lot yeah. of different things that that would supplement it so it's it's a it's a nice team to collect and now obviously today most younger kids and 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 adult collectors are going for Brady's obviously because we know. He's going to end end his career as a patriot, contrary to what everybody's trying to trying to say now. But I really believe he's a patriot. I hope you're patriot. right. You no, know, I think he is. I I can't I can't see him going go to anyplace else. I, I see mean, him. Play, I, know, I, I see him playing I, here I know in New Kansas New, City. You no, know, I I know the New England media. They got they got to create controversy <laughs> all the time. I mean, I, I'm used to it. I mean, I'm I've lived in the Connecticut all my life, so it. I get it. I get it on both sides. I get the Boston. Uh, slant, and I get the New York City slant, so I'm right in stuck in the middle of it, but I, I can't see <laughs> Brady going anywhere. He'd be foolish to go anywhere, and if Belichick's going to coach forever, you know, he's going to stay forever. I mean, the guy at his age, is just, he's an incredible
4: athlete. I mean, I don't care what anybody's It's says. hard to Both picture guys. one without the other, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Brady and Belichick, guess?
4: it's hard to imagine what It's hard to imagine Brady without Belichick and Belichick without Brady, I think. Right, right. Exactly.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
4: Exactly.
3: I get the feeling Brady goes to Kansas City for one year, like Joe Montana did. No, nah,
2: nah. never happened. <laughs> and that what with Mahomes, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> never, it <laughs> will never happen. If I'm, sort of I'm saddles, just, kidding. just the saddest Hey, system.
3: hey, hey, Bob. If I wasn't stirring <laughs> the pot, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a good co-host. You know, <laughs> you know, Dan. Hannah. Hannah reminds me a lot of, uh, I mean, just Steve Largent. In this day and age of free agency. You know, to have a a great like Hannah who played his entire career, you know, in New England, uh, it's just – it's classy. It just – it goes back to show you just how, how it used to be, you know. I, I just I, – sure. I always appreciated that about him.
4: Sure. I, I love the guys that spend their career with one team, and I love the guys that are, are blue-collar guys. I think Largent was one of those. Uh, Geno and Tippett, you know, brought their lunch pail and, and – I think Hannah's, you know, the ultimate blue-collar guy, so uh, it was sort of natural to collect him. Uh, You know, you guys talked about Brady, and we're talking about players that spend their whole career with the Patriots. Uh, You know, a couple years ago, I did dabble with the idea of uh, collecting Brady, and uh, I did more than dabble, but what a monumental task that is. Oh, my gosh. uh, When I got to about 800 different Brady cards and realized that it was still just a drop in the bucket, and uh, you know, realized that uh, to knock off his couple of top rookie cards, I could buy a car. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, yep. I actually purged about ninety-eight percent of that collection. I've still got a few rookie cards, a couple of nice pieces that I like, but um, you know, I think I sold close to eight hundred cards in one oh, lump to a to a Bernie collection. I uh, uh, it was just, it was just I tried
3: much. putting the uh, I tried putting the Jerry Rice Master set together once. You know, and obviously he's 86 to 2005. And so just, right. the, just the, you know, tail end of his career, last six years is where you start getting, you know, like 50 cards per year. And when I started off, right. it was like 200 cards in the master set. And I immediately was like 70% done. And then a month later, it's 300. And a month later, it's, you know, six. and just I realized I was chasing this moving target. It hit 1,000 mm-hmm. and I had 500 rice cards. And I tapped out, and I was like, you know what? I I can't. I need it. I need a target, not a moving target. It was just all right. So let me just go back to the to the Jerry Rice basic top set. So yeah, I know right. I know exactly what you mean. But, so now we all want to uh, know how
4: many of those Rice cards do you still have?
3: <laughs> I I have his rookie card. <laughs> I just I kept I kept that one. So it, yeah, I I really uh really pared my collection down about four or five years ago, and just started collecting what I like. I. I'm I'm very very happy. But you've got an amazing collection. I've I've seen a couple of the things you've been you've been chased you've chased after you know particularly your John Anacart your collection just if you could whittle it down to a few favorite things, you know what 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 would your top 6 be?
4: Top 6. Okay. Um well, you know I want to include Tippett. I said he's my uh my favorite player of all time. Um Absolutely. You know, and I you know, he uh, he played well, his, his issued cards, he has a, a Frito-Lay pre-rookie card, and other than that, it's really the meat of a Tippet collection. It's like 84 to 94. So we start getting in those late 80s, early 90s, a lot of cards. Um, I think I've got at least 300 different Tippet cards, um, which for a linebacker, it's a pretty big number. Um, so it's hard to narrow it down, but I would say probably the most enjoyment I got out of collecting Andre Tippett. Um, was I completed the, uh, an autographed basic tops run of his. Uh, so I've oh. got the, um, from his rookie card in 84 through his last basic tops card in 93, I've got 010 autographed and slapped. And uh, that was a lot of fun to compile.
3: Yeah, um, I've always loved his rookie card because it's right in my favorite set, the 84 tops. So a good looking like, card. You like
4: the 84s, huh? Oh, um,
3: like is an understatement, Dan.
4: Yeah, I find them. I find them maddening. Um, simply as, um, from a, I mean, it's an attractive design, no doubt. But tilt is such a problem uh, yeah. with that set, and it's a big bugaboo with oh. me. Um, you know, if I if the the image on there is crooked, and uh, it's so yep. hard um, to find '84 tops cards that don't exhibit some tilt. Um, so I, I find yep. it to be you know, a real a real challenge.
3: Oh yeah. You're spot on. Yeah. That and uh that and, and you know and uh, what do they call it, the you know white dots, the ghosting on it and uh gum residue. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it it's got its problems for sure. But that's why we love them. That's why we collect them. So, right. what else you got?
4: <laughs> well, I um uh, one of the fun things we have talked a lot about John Hanna already. One of the fun things in collecting Hanna has been um how many different I don't think people realize how many different uh, Slim Jim items you can collect if you're collecting one of the players of the Slim Jim set. I mean, I've got the, I've got the disc of course, um, and then they had these, um, you know, boxes. I, I think there were five or six Slim Jims to a box, and you would buy the box and it had, right, right, uh, right. Hannah and, Hannah and Isaac it's, Curtis on there. So I've got complete boxes. I've got panels, um, and then if if you're not, that's not, you know, enough for you. Uh, you have the store displays too—the big box that the little box sat in on the on the shelf—and uh, I've got one of those too. But um, way too many Slim Jim Hanna items. But of them, uh, the one I'm really proud of—they um, came in six flavors. So, like I said, you really can dive deep on this stuff. Um, and I've got um, all his uh, the Hanna Isaac Curtis boxes, but um, my the spicy box. Um, I, I submitted them all to PSA. Uh, they're in rough shape, as you'd imagine—grease stains, paper loss, the whole nine. Uh, but the Spicy Box is really sharp, uh, and it got a PSA six. Um, which, if you know, listeners are used to collecting cards that are nines and tens, you might not realize. Yeah. To get a a complete yeah. box and a six is it may as well be a ten. I mean, it's uh, it's oh, yeah. a super challenge So it's a it's a sharp piece, bright bright red, good color. Um, so I really I really like that one. Um so that's that's been fun. The um I guess while we on the topic of Hannah, another card is I really like that um you know, you folks were talking during the the BST recap about things that are undervalued in the hobby and I think people are just starting to wake up to uh what we sometimes call pre rookie cards of Hall of Fame mm-hmm. yes. great players and and um you know, Hannah's got a, a playing card from uh nineteen seventy two when he was at Bama playing for Bear Bryant. Um yeah, you know, it's two years before his props rookie card. Um I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that, that this card exists. Uh and I'm I'm very happy to say I've got that card in a PSA ten. Uh, at the time it was at the time it was a pop two. Um I think an indicator that people are starting to wake up to that card is now it's now pop six, uh, in the span of maybe a year it's it's tripled so uh,
2: Oh my that,
4: that, yeah, so, that
2: was playing, that playing was that playing card uh, set from that year, right?
4: They yes. had like a deck yep. of cards. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. exactly. That? exactly. Yeah. And now the I'm trying to remember what is... what card in the deck he is. He's, he's a club, I know that. I don't remember if he what number he is. It you know, it actually uh depending on who you talk to, some people call that Bear Bryant's Rookie card in that set too. Right, right, uh, right, right. Ryan had been around forever, but they don't issue a lot of coach cards. So, um, right. So, depending who you talk to, sometimes that's considered his rookie card, even though it was in 1972. Yeah, yeah, and,
2: and it's uh, it's, it's, interest, it's interesting to see on that. Um, just stepping back a bit to the '72 uh, Alabama set, so how many decks of cards were just broken up to get those two cards out of it to get them graded? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and right. just just amazing. I still go to shows. I still see some singles every once in a while, of uh, lesser known players. And uh, dealers are just trying to get rid get rid of them. But I realize too, they they probably broke up the set or whatever, uh, just to get the the hand in and get the
4: the bare brain. In them. well, I, I gotta admit, I'm I'm one of the ones that's guilty of that. Um, you know, I I had eBay surfs, uh safe searches for this card for years. Uh, it wasn't showing up raw or graded. I'm going back a few years now. This might be four or five years ago. It wasn't showing up, wasn't showing up. And uh, a full deck showed up, so I opened it up, submitted the Hannah and the Bryant to PSA. Um, I didn't dump the rest. Uh, I've got them in an album, and I held on to the box that they came in, which the box was in really nice shape. Um, But Mm -hmm. ultimately, yeah, I'm one of those people that was after the Hannah and the Bryant, and uh, the other cards were sort of superfluous. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the uh, any, you know the Slim Jim. Any other key cards? Ahead. Yeah, I was going to say any the Slim other Jim cards. Your... Sorry. Um, no, just the, about, uh, you, this, back to you. Okay. Yeah, the Slim Gym box, the Bama card. Those are probably my favorite Hannah cards. Uh, and yeah, I really, really love uh, collecting Gino Capoletti. uh and I and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. um I met Gino. Well, I wrote to Gino a couple of times through the mail for autographs. Uh, met him at a show. Was astounded that he remembered my letters. Uh, my kids and I got wow. pictures with Yeah, My kids and I got pictures with him. Um, they still say they've met a lot of athletes with me. We go to a lot of signings. They still say he's the nice athlete people have met. Uh, continue to correspond with him through the mail for a couple of years after that. I have some nice personal notes for him and stuff. So, I'd be remiss if I didn't Point out that Capoletti is one of the true, real, real gentlemen of the game. I mean, just a, just a super yeah. nice guy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, in collecting his, um, my favorite item. I'm not sure a lot of collectors know about him. I'm not sure there's a high demand, but I think it's gorgeous. Um, in 1967, he had a he and a few other players had a um, uh, endorsement deal with Caprolan Nylon. Kapralan uh, oh, was yeah. uh, was doing everything from golf shirts to ski wear, uh, and uh, you could mail away for these photo premiums. Uh, it's an eight and a half by eleven glossy black and white photo um, of the the player you mailed away for. It would come in this um, this nice folder uh, with an, another eight and a half by eleven sheet that had a bio, a bio of the player and stuff. And uh, I was really excited. I've got I've got the the whole um, Kit for uh, for Gino. Uh, the photo is the same photo they used on his 1962 Fleer uh, rookie card. So it's him with his leg high in the air, having just released a kick. Um, mm. And uh, and it's uh you know it's one of those items. Um, like most of the items I'm listing here. It's not um not necessarily doing this by va- uh, monetary value so much as uh, sentimental value. And I. I really oh, yeah. enjoy looking at that I really enjoy looking at that photo. Uh, an interesting, interesting footnote is um, some of your listeners might know Todd Tobias, and uh, Todd, never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Todd stumbled upon. Uh, a photo that looks exactly the same as my Caprolan photo in every way, uh, except at the bottom. instead of saying a Caprolan All-Star, it says, "An Allied chemicals all-Star." And Allied Chemicals was the parent company of Capraland back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. And after uh, after some prying, I was able to to um, that that migrated from Todd's collection to mine. So I have the Capraland photo and everything that came with it. But I also have the uh, the Allied Chemicals. Um, I guess you could call it a parallel to that. Uh, still the only one I've seen. That's neat. That's interesting.
3: Yeah. So
2: Dan, Dan, Dan,
3: variations.
2: Do you, with do, you, do you collect anything else in football cards or football members? You?
4: I do. Um, I, uh, you know, I try to stay focused on the Patriots, uh, spe- specifically the three players we've talked about, um, but I'm sort of an autograph nut too. Um, that hasn't always been the case, but it's become increasingly so uh, maybe in the last couple of years. So I've got a few hundred um, different players, autographs and football. Um, you know, everybody from Joe Montana to, you know, ab- absolute nobodies that you'd have to Google. Uh, if they played in the NFL and I don't have the autograph, I want it. Um, it's not a main focus. I haven't made as much headway with it as I maybe could have if that was all I was focused on. But, uh, yeah, I have a few hundred, autographs. Um, almost all of them are on cards. I'm a card guy, first and foremost. I don't have a place to display a bunch of balls or a bunch of photos. Um, so, uh, you know, autographed cards uh, are a thing. Um, I think I sh- share a sentiment with a lot of uh, collectors in that. I'm not I'm not crazy about the new sticker autographs. Um, I, <laughs> yes. I'd, be, I'd be lying if yep. I said I had none yep. of them in my collection, but I have very few. Um, in fact, most of my um, – are you know vintage cards that were signed at a later date. Uh, I love going to signings. Bob can tell you, living in the Northeast, there's always somebody signing somewhere. So it's it's fun for my kids and I to go, uh, you know, meet a Logan Mankins or meet a Kevin Falk or um, somebody like that, and uh, get them to sign a card, shake their hand, maybe have a minute minute chat. Uh, so we like to go to signings together, me and my boys.
3: That's cool. Yeah, that's something the, the, the Pacific Northwest doesn't have much of. Uh, yeah, yeah. Check. Yeah, One more spoiled disadvantage here. being a West <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a, a lot there, of good shows whatever, on the East Coast.
2: For whatever reason, there, there's always been a predominance of shows. I've always said from New York to Boston, oh, actually from Philadelphia to Boston. And, again, a lot of our shows here, I mean, in the 80s when, when cards were taken off, you started seeing a lot of shows, and as shows phased out, you still see a lot of shows in the Northeast. You know what I mean? For example, you got the yeah. uh, Shriner Show in Boston this weekend. Uh, big show. Uh, massive amount of dealers. Uh, you got the White Plains Show in White Plains, New York, a few times a year. In uh, Connecticut, like I said, we, we have basically four shows a month a couple of them are basically just coin and stamp shows, but the other couple are still sports card shows. So it's it's just amazing to yeah. see how many shows still exist in our region. And uh, next year, with the national being in Atlantic City, you're going to see a lot of you know a lot of East Coast dealers that you don't normally see at any other national or other show, other than like a Shriner show or um, White Plains and so on and so forth. So there, there, there's right. a lot greater availability. Than uh, where you are, Joe, and uh, that's too bad because it's, you know, it's still it's still fun going to a show. I don't care what anybody says. So. Yeah. Yeah. Does, oh.
4: does the Cranston, Rhode Island show still happen? That was a big one for a lot of years. I say that again. I'm sorry. The Cranston, Rhode Island show that was a big one for a lot of oh, years. Oh yeah, I, yeah, that yeah, that's still, still happening.
2: Yeah, I forgot all about that one. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gone there in yeah.
4: years, but I know that I know that's still around.
2: Uh And yeah. Rhode Island yeah. has. Has another small show. I forgot. I, it's not in, maybe in Warwick. I'm not sure. But I know Cranston's was a really big show for years. Um, yeah. Actually, I, I set up there back in the early 90s one time. And, um, you know, it, yeah, there there are shows everywhere. There are shows everywhere. Yeah.
3: Dan, you've you've talked about, you know, personal letter correspondence with players, autograph signings. You've got to have some great stories uh about, you know, collecting football cards you you can share. Those are those are both pretty impressive.
4: Yeah, yeah. So it's uh you know, collecting is uh, has has been a lot of fun for me. Uh I gotta say though, the the biggest hobby high I've ever had uh happened uh, just a couple of months ago and I think you guys know about it. Um but I'm I'm happy to always happy to talk about it again. Um as a uh, as a Gino you know, Capoletti collector uh, my white whale for gosh six years since I found out about it has been uh his Eskimo pie card, his nineteen sixty nine Eskimo uh-huh. pie card. Um, wow. that's that's a set that's a set that not a lot of people uh know a lot about. Um you know, it's pretty obscure food issue. Uh to boot the capaletti card is one of uh the short prints in the set, so it's uh super hard to find. Uh, yeah. For the first two, or, first two or three years, I didn't even know what it looked like. You could Google uh, <laughs> 1969 Eskimo pie Capoletti and come up with no yep. images. Uh, yep. So it, it, it took a while. Um, I had people hunting for me at nationals. Uh, I would go to local shows and shops, and they hadn't even heard of a set. Never mind had a, a Capoletti to sell me. So um, then suddenly last year, after years of searching, one shows up on eBay, uh, and it's gone within an hour. By the time I knew it was there, it was gone, and it uh, and it was gone for about 200 less than I would have been willing to pay for it. Uh, so that was a real um, a real blow, you know. Um, later in 2018, our our friends at BST had um, I don't remember it was either a large lot or a complete set uh, that included the Capaletti. Um but you know we were talking. Thousands of dollars for the group of cards when I really only needed the needed or wanted the one the um, one you know I suppose in retrospect I could have uh bought it broken it up, resold it, made back a good portion, and kept the capoletti but i i didn't I didn't go there so I, I started to think I'd really never own one and uh then in late August this year I, on a one of the message boards that I frequent, I get a uh you know there's no secret in the hobby that, at this point that I was looking for this card and i I get a private message on this message board that says uh, the subject line is I got you a cappaletti eskimo pie. That's all it says. So um you know you can imagine that <laughs> my first reaction was you're yeah, right. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, right. This is this is a very elusive card and and sure you did. And um you know uh Tyson said, "Hey, I um I saw it on eBay at a very low price, I snagged it." Um I'll sell it to you at cost. Uh, again, I'm thinking it was on eBay and I didn't know about it. But sure enough, I looked there uh, and there it was in the sold and at a extremely low price, uh, which again, I, I can't help it. I was still skeptical. So um, I reached out to a couple of, couple of people I knew who knew a lot about the set. Uh, one guy who I would say is probably the expert on the set and shares some – some scans or the photos from the eBay listing. So does this look real to you? Uh, once they said it, it looked good to them, then I started to get really excited. So um, I quickly, you know, offered, said, yeah, I want it. Um, you know, offered the guy a finder's fee. He said, no, uh, I sent it anyway. Um, but, you know, after six years of hunting and even after the, the finder's fee, I, I got it at about 20% of what others had sold for. Um, you know, it was a that's that's how badly this eBay seller had mispriced his card.
3: That's outstanding.
4: Um, wow. Yeah, wow. and uh, you know, got it got it in hand again. A card I never thought I'd have. Got it in hand. It's gorgeous. Uh, it took six years, but it was worth the wait. And um, you know, one note on the Estima Pie set. Uh, most of them were cut uh, right off the ice cream carton. Uh, rare, but there 's a or right off the right off the box that the ice cream sandwiches came in, but there 's a rarer sticker version and um, as if i wasn 't fortunate enough, mine happens to be one of the stickers uh, which sell for a premium over the uh, over even the cardboard version so um, that was that was definitely my uh, my biggest hobby high for sure and it happened just a couple of months ago so you
2: know
4: one, thing, one thing That's very about cool.
2: My yeah I remember you- that sticker version, I, and I always threw out this theory um, that they printed the stickers for when they were sending the Eskimo pie boxes to the locations, the local, you know, like Boston area or whatever, and they would tell the people uh, at the grocery store, pull off the sticker and just stick it on the box type of thing. I don't know how true or how how incorrect that would be. It would seem logical, but again, you don't see many that are, you know, unstuck off the the green backing paper.
4: You know what I mean? So I don't know yeah. how true that is or not.
2: You know, well, it's that's a it's great, one of the great, great things fight.
4: about that set is it's it's an enigma. Um, you know, there's so much that's not known about it. Uh, I've you know I've also heard about the stickers that um, if you weren't buying a box of them at the grocery store, if a kid was buying one individually at a ice cream shop or whatever, you know, they bought one and they handed them a sticker. Um, so I, you know, I don't know how truthful that is either, but there's a lot of theories and not a lot of concrete knowledge about the Eskimo pie set. And, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool set. Um, if you're a Patriots fan, it's a real bear because, um, that, that there are three short printed stickers as far as I, or cards, as far as I know, um, one of them is basically an advertisement that, you know, hey, send in and get uh this, this swag. Uh the other two short right. ones each have a Patriot on them. Uh you got Gino Cappoletti with Dale Livingston, but then you've got Jim Nance with Billy Neighbors. And of course Nance was an AFL MVP in his own right. So uh if you're a Pats collector, um you know the Eskimo Pies set is a real challenge. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. 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 No, I agree. Uh amazing You know, Dan, you're uh, I've I've heard that uh, I I want to go back to your John Hanna, uh, you know, you know, collection Uh, just because Hanna does remind me a lot of just large and you collecting Hanna, just, you know, you're, you're, you're a player collector. Uh, So, I mean, I, 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 I know about Hanna, but I, I looked him up before the show. I just wanted to rattle off a few things, but first of all, the thing that first popped into mind when I saw you're on the show is I just remember, some coach, and I don't remember who it was, mentioning it's like John Hanna was the smartest player I ever coached. And I just remember that that testament. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And it was, I don't remember what coach said it, but that, that's the first thing that popped into mind. So looked up a few things. Uh, obviously, I mentioned before he played his entire career in New England, uh, you know, in this day and age of free agency. That's pretty cool. He was the fourth Overall pick in the first round of the NFL draft. So fourth pick. He's one of only a few players to be in both the 70s and 80s all-team decade, which is pretty cool to think about. He was the first person inducted into the New England Patriots Hall of Fame. Number 20, listed 20 in the uh, top 100 NFL greatest players. And – he was named by Sports Illustrated as the second greatest offensive lineman in NFL history.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I thought that was pretty cool. These are all, I mean, if you just think about it, and a very classy, quiet, cerebral player, just uh, not not the kind of flash and stuff you see nowadays. And, uh, you know, and, yeah, I, I just, uh, I just uh, that's why I just, I, I dig that you collect him because he just he reminds me a lot of a lot of my guy.
4: Yeah, yeah, and, and the linemen don't get enough love um, in the hobby. Without a doubt, um, you know I, I think true fans yeah. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate what a lineman brings, but that doesn't mean they necessarily collect their cards. Um, you know, I put a lot of stock in all pro designations, and Hannah was a first team all pro ten consecutive years. Um, yep. I, I haven't done my I haven't done my research to see how many guys can. Say they were first team for a decade straight, but uh, it can't be a very long list.
3: There's not many, yeah. Not at all. Yeah.
4: yeah. Dan,
2: what?
3: what There's some great accomplishments.
2: accomplishments. What, what advice would you give to the
4: getting collectors? Well, you know, I think the most important thing is to find what gets you excited to collect it. Um, I can't speak for all collectors, but I know that several have, or many have shared with me similar stories to mine which is you start out and you collect a little bit of everything um and and when you find that thing that you're excited about uh for me it's player collecting it's team collecting but even more than that it's player collecting um that's a really great thing it's also great for your budget Uh, (laughs) because you can't you can't buy a copy of everything um but um but you can you can focus on a couple of things and so i i would say you know find what you get excited about it could be a favorite player or multiple players. It could be a favorite team. Uh, you could really like the tops design from the year you were born and you want to collect that set. Uh, it doesn't really matter what it is, but having some sort of, um, I, I'm trying to avoid using the word focus, but, uh, you know, some sort of focus to, to <laughs> what you collect. For me, it it increased my my enjoyment of the hobby exponentially once I, once I um, got on the track of player collecting and, and team collecting. And I've purged a lot, most of my, non patriot stuff with the exception of some really great autographs like Joe Montana and stuff. But um you know, it um that's another great thing too. If you stay focused, it, it really helps the storage storage dilemma. Um but I would, yeah. I, would I would say yeah. And I would budget, say yeah, you know, budget. finding what you're passionate about. Yeah. It helps your budget, it helps your storage. Um, but it really it helps my enjoyment uh just exponentially to to find what I really liked uh collecting and, and only collecting that. Um and so I think it's, I think that's it's an important piece of advice for any collector, whether you're starting out or you've been collecting for 50 years. Um, having a little bit of focus will go a long way.
3: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, plan what you want to collect, build your budget around it, and focus. I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's great. And we advice.
4: all we all stray. We all stray. <laughs> I mean, none of us are perfect at at uh, staying focused and especially not at staying within our budget. Um, I think we're all guilty of that, but, uh, but not to stray. When you
3: see everything, everything, everybody else is posting up. You're like, Oh my God, that looks cool. Or
4: I got, I got I'm just going
3: to collect that one, you know?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but if you try, I mean, I really think it, it it helps you enjoy the hobby a lot more. So yeah. Everybody's
3: been talking about this Eskimo set for the last, you know, like six months. And I just read articles, you know, like Jeff Payne puts together, you know, I just read these articles and I've always loved the fascination of just how, you know, how things came to be, where they were found. And, and uh, so, I mean, I, it it is, it has taken every ounce of strength I have to resist diving into this, uh, you know, this Eskimo pie collection, the set.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And, and Jeff is probably, you know, Jeff is probably the most knowledgeable person I know uh, about that set and, even he would tell you he doesn't have concrete answers to a lot of the questions that we were wondering about when it comes to that set. Uh, one last thought on, on Eskimo Pie. Um, right after I landed my Gino, the BST, you know, BST is sort of the theme of this episode, and uh, their their catalog came <laughs> out, and the, their catalog came out, and they had a sticker strip of had the Capilady, the Nance, and then I, I call it the advertisement. But the the last four mm-hmm. stickers in the set, the the three short prints, um, and that. Did every bit as well as I expected it would do in DST. I mean, not including the VIG, it went for about $1,700 uh, for the mm-hmm. untouched strip oh of those three gosh. stickers. Mm-hmm. So that wow. was, um, yeah. Uh, a Nance by itself but, uh, on, on eBay this month sold for $720. So, um,
3: but I mean, as, as Bob mentioned earlier, I know we're getting a little late, but as Bob mentioned earlier, I mean, take that into context. Uh, 1700 bucks, is a lot of money. But in the context of one of the rarest, you know, cards or, you know, j- you know triptych, it, you know, in one of the rarest sets, that's not much, you know. No. It, it, and you're right. not going to
2: all three right. right. one it. shot. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, well, we're almost out of time, Dan. I truly appreciate you being yeah. on tonight. Um, we'll be in touch. You have a great collection. Keep it up. And, um, All right, and and, I, and congratulations, especially on that Eskimo five.
4: That's, that's that's a great piece of Yeah. To pick up. Thanks for taking us on. right well, up to the water, guys. Dan. I really appreciate
3: it. Absolutely. All
4: right, take care. All right,
3: we're in a
2: we're in a strict two-minute warning now, Joe. I'm going to hand off to you quick. What did we pick up on tonight's show?
3: <laughs> oh man, I love talking to other player collectors. <laughs> There's so many things that Dan said that just kind of I just if you could, you know, sense me smiling, you know, through the program, it's just, uh, I just dig it. What a classy guy, but uh, you know, just I've loved seeing his collection grow, so just really good to have people like that on the show,
2: and I. I agree with that 100%. It's You know, to have the enthusiasm to, to, to hunt for the card, to search for the card, pick it up, yeah. and pick it up yeah, the yeah. way you picked it up was re- was really nice. The, the one one area that I do talk about, I, as everybody knows, or most people know, I love oddball football cards. I, I've collected them all my life, the inserts, the the uh, food issues, so on and so forth. I miss it today because there's really not that much oddball being produced, but that's Eskimo pie to me is probably one of the rare, of the rare sets to try to find, because again, how many people saved the pictures off of a off a, off a uh, ice box. cream box? Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right, we're down to thirty seconds. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe to Gridiron Greats Magazine. Check out our website, GridironGreatsMagazine.com. <laughs> Joe, any other final thoughts before we wrap it up?
3: If you're not if you're not a subscriber, Gridiron Greats. What the hell are you doing listening to our show? Subscribe.
2: Jeez. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Anyways, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week for
3: a few more shows. Good night.
0: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network.